This is the Making Common Cause podcast, part of Our Cultural Commons from Voluntary Arts. I'm Robin Simpson, and this is episode five of the Making Common Cause podcast. To listen to previous episodes and to download a copy of the Making Common Cause book, please go to www.voluntaryarts.org stroke making common cause. In this episode, Gareth Coles talks to the artist Lizzie Stonhold about the Drawn Together project in Wales and what it tells us about mindfulness and the contemplative commons. I'll then be joined by the editor of Making Common Cause, Kevin Murphy, to reflect on the reaction to the book so far and to these podcasts. I'm Gareth Coles, Director of Voluntary Arts Wales, and I'm in St Clair's in Carmarthenshire with the artist Lizzie Stonehold. Lizzie was the lead artist for a recent collaborative project between Voluntary Arts Wales and the community arts organisation Coastlines, and the project was drawn together, which invited people across Wales to take a few moments out of their day to draw something that they could see. Uh, Lizzie, do you want to tell us a little bit about the activities, about what happened throughout the project? The project was very much about encouraging people just to take that little moment and, and to stop what they're doing and draw something that they could see around them. So it was about appreciating everything rather than thinking that you had to go to the most beautiful place or, you know, even set up a still life or something like that. It was taking away all of those rules that aren't even written rules associated with the arts and just giving people permission to sit and look and just draw what what it was that they could see. So how did it work in practice then? Do you want to just explain sort of the activities? In order to um, engage with a large percentage of of the population in Wales and because we wanted to encourage everyone to draw it wasn't about whether or not you were an artist or not and we wanted to bring the project into kind of schools and residential homes and businesses and things like that so we and we had several commissions throughout Wales um, where uh, artists would go in and take the project to these places and um, in communal sketchbooks that were passed throughout the whole um, project people would, would, would draw often anonymously what they could see in it and then kind of close that book and give it back to the artist who would take it on somewhere else. Um, but by giving people those materials and, and having somebody there in order to say, right, we're going to you know, take a moment away from your computers now and, and make those little marks, it was um, yeah, encouraging people everywhere to, to yeah, draw. <laughs> so what about the experiences then? What was the kind of response from participants to their involvement in the workshops in doing some drawing? It was, it was quite interesting to see how a lot of adults often wanted to pass the responsibility of, of, of drawing the drawing onto a child. So it kind of it really fluctuated um, with, with certain schools and they were all kind of accustomed to just being given a new activity and cracking on and we had some brilliant responses from many schools throughout Wales. Um, and then public um, workshops at kind of castles and um, we had a horse-drawn canal trip in Clangothlin 
places where people would actually come in the tent knowing that they were going to draw. It was a really beautiful experience. But for me, personally, the ones that worked the best was where we took it to like offices. Um, there was, there was a, um, an office in Cardiff, actually, where it was, it was just textbook in how everyone responded. And that was um, initially absolute terror <laughs> that, that you would, they would avoid eye contact, it would be that they were too busy, that they, they had suddenly piles and piles and piles of work that was far more important than, than just stopping for a minute or two and drawing. And then as soon as you, you give them that sketchbook and you show them it's okay, it doesn't need to be perfect, energy in the room just just completely sort of intensifies people were starting to chat with each other and giggling and they were having fun and it was it, it, I think it was it was brilliant for to see like we knew that they would enjoy it and that they'd get something from it which is why we were encouraging people to do it irrespective of the quality of the drawing it's it's about that, that act of creativity which is empowering but to actually witness them see that for themselves, I think is really rewarding. So I wanted to see if I can make the link with the, one of the essays in Making Common Cause about mindfulness and the contemplative commons. And I suppose I've been thinking about our uh, conscious states and I wondered whether in a way you, we can contrast that kind of experience that you're describing about being immersed in this sort of collective creative activity with our conscious states for much of the rest of the day. We're beset by distraction, by the, these clamours for our attention from social media, 24-hour news, streaming services, video and TV. And whether, you know, you say it's, it's fun and whether it's actually really beneficial for people, you think, to be, to take some time out of their day to, to immerse themselves in really absorbing creative activity. Yeah. Um, I, I think what's what's so brilliant about creativity, and particularly I find drawing, because when you're drawing, you're always problem solving. You're having to concentrate, and you're having to work something out. So, and when you, especially if I suppose if you're if you're drawing something that you you weren't expecting to draw, you know? You're, you're really trying to kind of form that line and what you're doing is you're blocking everything else out. So yeah, that bombardment of images and things that are happening in your, in your everyday lives that, that all the time we're faced with, you know? That when you, when you give yourself permission to, to, to shut that down, it's, in, it's, it's really rewarding for us and so that, that connection to mindfulness yeah. is, I think it comes through because it's meditative yeah. because we focus on something One of the um, points made in the essay is about uh, referencing a, a Buddhist uh, concept of the beginner's mind and so we know from the feedback the majority of participants and we had thousands of people involved the majority when we asked them how often they drew they said, they said never not even yeah. annually yeah. never but do you think there's a sort of, you know, that, we, and we know then from the subsequent feedback that people say that they're appreciating their, um, their surroundings more from having observed them. So do you think there's a, there's a connection there with that sort of almost like childlike wonder again at the world through having 
been given permission or giving themselves permission to to stop and to look yeah absolutely there's um there's a word in in the welsh psyche actually um which is uh the square and it's it's all about how you 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 never know an environment as well as you do when you're a child because you kind of get under the table you sort of you, you crawl through spaces you you really play and explore and, and really what you're doing then as an adult by sitting and drawing is you're exploring but in a possibly a more lazy way you know you're kind of you you have to draw the underneath of the seat because you can see the underneath of the seat so you're you're having that connection to your surroundings but purely visually but because we're adults and we and we 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 kind of imagine what the underneath of that seat is like as well and that enhances our drawing and through kind of like how your mark changes or where you place it on the page you're getting that connection yeah you're having an adventure i suppose with your surroundings through Line. I should say that uh, the Mr. Square is my square mile. Oh, my, yeah, yeah, yeah. So but it, I think it's how it translates, but it, isn't it, it's a part of yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a yeah. non-translatable Welsh psyche. It? Yeah, literally, it's yes. it's my, my yeah. square mile, but it is yeah. about that connection oh, you have yes, to, yeah, to, to yeah. place. Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. we should have had square um, <laughs> sketchbooks actually for that like, kind of that plotting. Next time. <laughs> yeah, next time. <laughs> um, yeah. Lastly, then, what do you think? So we talked about the kind of individuals' responses today. Yeah. What do you think, on mass itself, collectively, when all the drawings were brought together um, in an exhibition in the National yeah. Museum? What What did that say? I, I thought it was, it was truly beautiful because and, and the amount of people that, that um, I, I think were surprised to see drawing there as well because it's because it's delicate it's kind of it's easily erased it's something that you're 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 just you're learning it's, it's something where accidents kind of happen quite readily when you're drawing and I think in the museum where you're used to seeing these final pieces these like kind of really well polished outcomes it had this beautiful sort of contrast through that that high art observation that really looking and, and essays and essays behind and then just that that sort of those tiny little sort of moments that happen in reality in, in everyday life but that, that kind of that echoed that moment when that drawing took place of just people taking a few minutes out and drawing and for the fact of describing Wales. And I think that that thread through of who is Wales, you know, what is Wales and what is art and who are museums for and who the, who the community is and that appreciation of place. I think, I think the whole exhibition resonated that that appreciation for, for everything. It's for the, the, the great art and it's also for the railings that go around the museum where we hung the drawings. It's, I, I think it was, a, it was truly a celebration of, of everything. I'm joined by the editor of Making Common Cause, Kevin Murphy. Kevin, how has the reaction been to the book since it was published? Well, I think the reaction's been really positive. Um, Obviously, I've been uh, on my travels around Ireland. I've been uh, giving the book to a number of cultural policy makers and cultural practitioners. And it's been very favourably received there, with people thinking, beginning to think about what's behind the book and the examples of, of how this might work in their world. Um, and, and I suppose uh, for some people, a, a, a fascination with could this be something new that could be applied to the cultural sector? But also I know from our sharing with the authors, for example, who are quite an international bunch, that they've been sharing um, through their own social media and other channels the fact that they've received the book. 
And I know it's gone as far as, for example, Puerto Rico. And that's really heartening to see. And picking up in the comments from people there uh, has been great. There's one quote there from Puerto Rico, and this person talks about this book looks like the words to the things that I care about most in the world but did not know had actual terminology. So that's kind of great to see. And the discussion that we've been having through these podcasts has been interesting, I think particularly in how it's picked up on particular articles within the book, different aspects of cultural commenting and taking that in a number of directions. Yes, and, and as you say, I think it's really, uh, it's been great, this healthy discussion, building on both the ideas and the examples of practice that are, are that are there in the book. I'm also fascinated by the fact that they they refer quite a bit to people and people's kind of need to to work in a commoning way, but also the broader aspect of civic life. There are a number of the podcasts that I've been listening to, which are which are great, by the way, talk about public space and how having a commons in the public space could be a really good idea. Parks as commons, open spaces as commons, even the idea, I suppose, that, that venues and, and other places might adopt commoning approaches. I know that the Jim Tuff in Edinburgh talked a little bit about that. Uh, and there was a recent uh, podcast specifically on Parks' Commons, picking up on the article by Abigail, Abigail that's in the book. And also, as I say, that this idea of commoning as an approach that you might or a way of thinking about how you go about things. There, there was a particular piece from Gareth and Lizzie in Wales that we've just been listening to that, that talks about you know, drawing and drawing as being a kind of a a way to, to inhabit your own kind of personal space, but also that our own mindfulness is, in fact, is, could also be described as a commons. And that's really a fascinating personal side to, to all of this. And then we've also talked uh, a little bit around, or in these podcasts, around uh, some of the initial building blocks we might be talking about, in particular conversation uh, that Dennis Stewart and, and, again, Gareth Coles talked about in one of the podcasts. I think that's a really fascinating building block. Uh, it's something that is a, in, a, in and of itself a creative activity, but something that begins the process, if you like, or encourages the process of commenting. The other place that this conversation has been continuing through the, the Making Common Cause WhatsApp group. Well, that's a great experiment. I, I, these digital tools are, are actually really a strong part of, of the commons, and it's fascinating to reflect that um, uh, a lot of them, of course, aren't designed to be commons tools. They're designed to be uh, tools that, I suppose, make money for, for corporations. But in that space, it's uh, brilliant to see them being used for this this kind of approach. So we've got people joining this simple discussion group. You're very handily posting a lot of the the content that we're, that's been developed through the podcast and other things and other insights on the group. But lots of people are joining that from across the world. Great to see Sophie from New Zealand, for example. And that just gives you a whole different perspective. And it, it's very encouraging because you realize that, that what we're doing here uh, in our own, I suppose, small way, and having brought this uh, book together and connected a number of these people, we're really beginning to to see a space open out within the commons world, the wider global movement, specifically a, a space opening out for the cultural sectors. And I think that's really exciting. And a simple WhatsApp group is a terrific way, to be, again, to to keep the dialogue going and to, to initiate more collaborations and more commoning. So where next for cultural commoning? Well, that's a great question, partly because you get so far with a certain thing and you publish the book and you sit back and go, wow, that's great, I published a book. (laughs) 
uh, and then you realize, of course, that that's only the beginning of something. What I'm seeing, if it's a help, is, is that there are really encouraging signs that I suppose the concept of commenting, which has been one of the more difficult things to get across because the word is, is not, I suppose, not in common use. And the fact that people are beginning to think and talk uh, in a way that a commoner would has been really encouraging. For example, I had a conversation just the other day with a local authority arts officer, and he was talking about the how he could build more capacity in the local in the local area of the city that he's responsible for. Uh, amongst all of the cultural players there, pooling resources, pooling expertise, thinking about how we can do things more effectively together. He was talking about commoning. And when I mentioned the word cultural commoning, there was a resonance there that, that even, I would say, a year ago would have fallen completely on deaf ears. It was not a concept that was, that was abroad in the world as far as local authority arts officers. And so that's kind of encouraging. So the what next is, I suppose, is that beginning to shift the culture. And one of the easy ways to shift the culture, or maybe it's not easy, but one of the signs that the culture is shifting is to do with the change in language and the change then in the way that people think about what they're doing in relation to other people. And then the, the, the different kinds of actions that people begin to begin to take. So I think we're on the cusp of something with all of this. And I suppose the next while is about seeding more and more of this, beginning to shift the culture by modeling what it is that we, we hope that other people will, will pick up on. To download a copy of Making Common Cause, please visit www.voluntaryarts.org stroke Making Common Cause, where you will also find details of how you can join our conversation by using the hashtag Making Common Cause and by joining the Making Common Cause WhatsApp group, where you can access exclusive audio and video content. Thanks for listening. I look forward to hearing your thoughts about Making Common Cause.